And I just, I have this running mantra, which is, I have time for everything. And my kids are really cool. They think Facebook is stupid. Hello, and welcome to Do Mind, a podcast taking a fresh and proactive look at mental well-being. We're talking to people about their approach to their own mental health, looking at what it takes to maintain this in a positive way, and not viewing mental health as something that only happens when we reach those seismic breaking points. Whether this is practicing meditation, enjoying a healthier relationship with technology, exercising, spending more time in nature, cooking or time with family. We're talking about what it takes to find and maintain a happy mind. And what does that even mean? How does it make us feel and how does that change our lives? Our guests are entrepreneurs, wellness experts, politicians and musicians. Different worlds, but all willing to talk openly and honestly about something that has previously been overlooked. Our guest today is Renee Elliott, the founder of Planet Organic and a personal hero of mine. She has a wicked sense of humour, a palpable sense of purpose and amazing energy. Renee founded Planet Organic when she was in her late 20s, back in 1995 before organic food was cool and it was the UK's first organic supermarket. The company is now a superpower in the ever-expanding wellness world, with seven stores across the capital. She's still involved in Planet Organic, but she now also runs Beluga Bean, a coaching and support network designed to empower women with business and life skills. On a personal level, she famously met her now-husband on a night bus in London. Her three children all meditate, and she tells me that she thinks she has time for everything. So, of course... There's plenty to talk about. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to see you again. Thank you. It's great to see you. I have been really genuinely incredibly excited about this interview. <laughs> like genuinely excited. So this morning I was running through my list of questions. And I was like, I'm, I've got to ask her this and I've got to ask her this and I've got to ask her this. So thank you for being here and for giving me your time. I've met you a couple of times now and every time you just totally blow me away. Brutal honesty, total insights, fresh look at the world. So I'm really excited to hear what you've got to say um, (laughs) about the mind. I mean, we'll start this conversation as we do all of these interviews with an easy one to warm things up. So tell me, Renee, what was the first thing that came into your mind when you woke up this morning? Ah, interesting. I thought, wow, I haven't had a lot of sleep because I had a really interesting dinner last night. I always go home so that I can top and tail my kids' day and so that I could be there tomorrow morning, even though I came back to almost exactly the same place. And then my second thought was a gratitude, which is how I try and start every day. And that's uh, something that you do on a regular basis? Yeah, when I wake up, instead of just leaping out of bed and jumping into the shower... I, I think of something I'm grateful for because it just puts me in present time. Mm. And what was that thing you were grateful for today? It was my children. Oh, cute. <laughs> Lovely. And for you, what, what does it feel like when you have a healthy mind? What does that mean to you? Is it, you know, feeling quite centered? Is it feeling calm? Is it being able to focus? I guess, yeah, what does healthy mean and what does not healthy mean to you? That's interesting. And it is not one thing. As you've already said, it's a few things for me. When I go into not healthy, I go into kind of overwhelm. I feel like I'm fighting the rising panic or and rushing headlong. Those are phrases that come into my head. And that's a red flag for me to think, okay, stop, you know, take a breath. And for me, being calm and centered is feeling relaxed, not letting stress or pressure get to me, which I have to say, now and now, I just feel that 
most of the time, mm-hmm. if not all of the time, because I've found a way. Just I just don't let things get on top of me anymore. And I just I have this running mantra, which is I have time for everything. And sometimes stopping and taking time to pause, reflect, prioritize, even though it feels like a waste of time, actually makes me so much clearer. And then I feel I have time for everything or even taking time to have fun. Sometimes I'll wake up because I do this dance class. I try and do twice a week and I'll wake up Wednesday morning and I'll think, I don't have time for that. And I think I'm doing that. And sometimes I come home and think, wow, I really now don't have time to do something else. But then I don't care. And I needed it. Yeah, because and my husband says, do the dance class. Yeah. Because when you're happy. Because we're all going to be happier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's feeling relaxed, feeling um, empowered, centered, focused, and very lasered, I think, in what I'm achieving. And do you think that's come through a process of having times where you haven't had a healthy mind? Yes, and it's funny you say healthy because I wouldn't call it that because that makes it feel unhealthy or unwell. I think there's a little stigma around that. I always identify it as stress. It comes from feeling stressed. And I don't want to live like that anymore. And I don't want to set that example for my children. I look at them. They're under a lot of pressure with exams, even you know teenagers now. So I want to set an example for them, be able to lead them onto this path of being grounded and centered. And I've made a decision for this year just to incorporate more fun, that I need to have fun in my work, in my marriage, with my kids. And of course I have fun, but I never thought of it so consciously and in every area of my life. I think as adults we can often lose that playfulness and it's something that regaining and feeling like it's actually okay to do something purely for fun that's totally my phone ringing um it's totally okay to um to just have some fun yes. it was we, a, it we was, lose that yes it was a session we did for launch and we did um branding i did branding in the morning and then in the afternoon sam my partner did play and he got paints out and made everyone paint and it was so much fun. And then we just talked about fun and play. And I thought, wow, I want this in every... We were talking about it in terms of your business. That if you're starting a business, it should be fun. You know, if you're stressing now, forget it. Mm. And I thought, wow, I want fun in every area. And how much fun do I have with my husband? So we turned that around. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Let's go down that path. <laughs> but just going back to when you talked about those periods of stress... Are those stresses often from, was it from when you were running Planet Organic and it was a really stressful time in your business life? Do you find kind of personal pressures stressful or or what is it that really gets you? I think it's everything. And I think as a woman, and I see this in a lot of women around me, we take on so much and we take on so many things because we're the nurturers, because we're the caretakers. For me, it's always a combination of personal and professional and trying to cover all the bases and look after everyone and do everything so well. Yes, there have been very stressful times at Planet. um, And I tended to use then, I think I was in less overwhelm because I didn't have kids, you know, for a long time. And kids just add so much onto your life. And so when I was running Planet and working with my husband at Planet, my tool was meditation. And that's a daily practice that just took the edge off for me and kept things running quite smoothly. But having three children, you know, having that on top of everything I do, it's, there's just so much detail to remember, handle, cope with, and do a really good job with, which is why I said I'd never have kids. 
when I was 19, I said, I will never have children because I could see the responsibility was so great. I was terrified and it's what freaks me out about being a mother. And do you feel that having kids, you actually feel like there's even more of a pressure to kind of impart to them the ways of keeping a, a healthy, sane, balanced approach to the world? Yes, because what you realise, it's, it's interesting with children, they're really little and you're teaching them things like how to feed themselves and how to get dressed and how to brush their hair and how to have a shower. And then you think, oh my gosh, in X amount of years, they're going to leave home. And I have not a very big window now to teach them the really meaningful ideas and tools like thought is creative, like taking responsibility, how to communicate, that relationships are based on trust and respect. So then you think, oh wow. And we have to do that by having the conversation, but also by example. And I know you meditate and your husband meditates as well. Do your kids meditate? Yes. And how, how did that all come about? Tell me about how you discovered meditation. Well, I, I came here in 1986 and my husband and I got married in... Well, we had a marriage of convenience in 1986 <laughs> and then we had a public marriage in 1990. And then shortly after that, we went to America to do six months of personal development, which was absolutely brilliant. Changed and that was you guys life. just saying... We're taking six months out. We're going to America. There were trainers who had been... They used to come and do weekends in England. And we'd done a couple weekends and thought, wow, brilliant. We walked away with a toolkit for dealing with things differently, for looking at patterns. But what was happening was I was looking... He had asked me to marry him. And I thought, geez, you know, I can see the same patterns that I saw my parents fighting over these silly things that go over and over. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. Well, we did this weekend with this couple from the States, and it gave us the tools to do things differently and break those patterns. And at the end of that weekend, I turned to him and I said, I'll, I'll marry you now because I see that we don't have to do that. We're going to be okay. Way. Yeah, we're going to be okay. We're going to break those patterns and be a different kind of married couple. So then this couple said, oh, we do a six-month program in the States. So we quit our jobs, rented out our apartment, and went to America. And I think when I look back now, that course... Although I already had self-belief because of my parents and particularly my father, that course gave me the guts to say I'm going to start my own business and the clarity around that it was going to be an organic supermarket. But it was while we were on that course, I thought, okay, I, need, I want a spiritual practice. I'd walked away from Catholicism when I was 19 and I was looking for something because I believe enlightenment is incredibly important, possibly the only pursuit worth Point of life. Yes, the only point of life. And however far you take that, that's a personal journey. So I had researched different kinds of meditation. And I had found transcendental meditation and thought, this makes absolute sense to me. What I love about it is if you're trying, concentrating, focusing, you're doing it wrong. It has to be effortless for you to be doing it correctly. And for me, that was just fabulous because there's so much that we have to focus on and concentrate and struggle about or we end up struggling about so I loved that so we learned then and then the children are able to learn as soon as they're old enough to keep a secret mm -hmm. which can be about five or six years old they get a walking meditation and then when they're 10 they can get their sitting mantra and it is meant to be effortless are there days when it isn't effortless no because you catch yourself and you correct that's amazing. Yeah. And so the kids now, all three of them are doing it. Yes. Do you meditate at the same time or is it a very personal Sometimes. practice? We, I love to meditate as a family, but different schedules, it's not always possible to 
um, pulled together and they, you know, sometimes they're meditating in the car while I'm driving and they do need reminding, but they see the value of it. And we also, we often say, look, if you're going to have screen time, <laughs> you've got to be supporting your brain in other ways with meditation. Which kind of leads me on to something else that I'm super interested in and I would love to know what your thoughts are on technology, this amazing, you know, change the world. We're all super connected now. All of these amazing things are possible. The flip side of that is we're all super connected now and it's it's pretty full on. How do you think the effect of technology is affecting you, is affecting your kids? How do you cope with it? Do you have your phone in the bedroom at night? Do you have a time when you switch off all devices? How do you how do you cope? Well, from what you know of me, you know that I don't do anything because a lot of people are doing it. And if a lot of people are doing something, I figure it's probably not a good idea. And that's been my MO since I was 19. <laughs> so I don't do social media. I, have you goal, ever? Nope. My goal is to get through life without tweeting. <laughs> I don't have a Facebook page. And with my children, we're very clear about what's allowed and what's not allowed. And we limit the time because what you realize because our kids have had it since they were born it's so easy to put them on a device and I could I just had warning bells you know I had a little red flag going up around that because it's so easy when your kid's bored to give them your phone or an iPad but it's only when kids really get really bored out of that boredom comes creativity play self-expression wanting to go outside and it's painful as a parent because you've got to go through that angsty period with them but you've got to go through that for them to come out on the other side and then actually engage create or engage or do something so we are very um it's limited there's no screens in the week and they have screen time on the weekend they have to, it's for short periods of time, they have to do something beforehand, it's not a it's not a right, it's something they earn. So they have to make their beds, read for half an hour. Meditate. Yeah, meditate, and then they can say, can I have half an hour, Mom? What's interesting is the older, our eldest daughter's turning 16, and for her, it's, it's just not as important, and as her studies have become very important, she's studying for GCSEs, it's, she doesn't have to have every minute that she's allowed, which I'm so glad to see because it doesn't have that hook That's into so her. interesting. So actually, yeah. she has other things now that are occupying her time more so than being on her phone. I think, yes, but I think the, the danger for me as a parent around this is the comparing that comes up, the comparison, because it's all visual. And I think you've got to be very mindful and have that conversation with your children about... You know, it's just so unreal and it's so unimportant. It's so superficial. And my kids are really cool. They think Facebook is stupid and they don't know why anyone would communicate that way. You know, they say they'd they'd talk to their friend or they'd Snapchat or something, but they wouldn't put information out to the public. Mm. So it's about teaching them values. And they don't come home and say, but mom, everyone at school has it. No, because they know that is never the line that's going to get them anything in this With Renee Elliott, that is not going to get them anywhere. I say, do you want to be a sheep, honey? No, you don't. (laughs) So, and for you, phones have never been, you're not kind of on your phone constantly. Oh, God, no. 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 So, 
technology to you is kind of it's not a it's trigger. a necessary evil now now i i knew i was probably the last person i knew to go to start email because i knew i would i knew it would take over my life and it would drive me nuts and i would hate it and it's a necessary evil but it's just relentless and people get so hooked into it and you know, it's relentless. It, it was so much better when we had to write letters and that makes me feel really old and send faxes and you actually, you know, there was a limit to the and phone calls in the day. And now it's 24 seven. I'm getting emails from people at 1130 at night, five o'clock in the morning. I think, oh my God, where did the working day? And it's convenient for that person to send at that time, but then it's an intrusion into your, your, private, life. your private life. And I think that's such a tricky balance in the business world, trying to stay sane in a digital world where everything is 24 hours a day you could easily work and communicate non-stop and not sleep yeah and never and never stay on top of everything mm. so I'm I'm not that interested I will sit on the train and stare out the window I'll read a book sometimes I'll do emails but I'm not that person I people who walk around with their I call it phone walking on their phones, they have that weird way of walking, and I think, oh my god, just walk, get where you're going, and then read the text or whatever. I mean, nothing's that important. I think it's crazy. And then there's a million videos of people walking on walking their phones, into walking into a things. fountain or a, or a lamppost or something, which I've, I've probably nearly done myself. <laughs> um, but it is a necessary evil for business, I think. And then talking around business and kind of your mental strength or whatever we want to call it, fitness. Do you think that there's room for a conversation in the business world around mental health, mental fitness, or do you think it's viewed as a weakness still? I, you know, I always feel like I'm on another planet. <laughs> and that is the title of my Planet Organic speech. Because I don't really operate in the normal world, I think. I am in... My planet is about being honest and open and doing things differently. So that's always part of my world. In the mainstream... I think it's probably still taboo. I know things are changing. I don't know how honest people are being about how okay it is to talk about it. I I do hear great stories about openness in the workplace and people willing to talk about it and people feeling safer about reaching out for help. And I hope that's the way it's going. I trust it is because I think the world has to change. Y'all are worse in England because... <laughs> Because there's this, you know, stiff upper lip and you don't really talk about things. When I first moved here, I was, I was 21. I was homesick. I didn't really know people. I had my boyfriend, Brian, um, which is why I came over. And people would say, I'd go into work and people would say, oh, hi Renee, how are you? And I'd say, well, yeah, I'm a little homesick today. I called my mom on the weekend, but I really miss my family. And you could see this look of horror. <laughs> You're telling me how you yeah. actually are? And it's, this was so confusing for me. <laughs> I wanted a, yes, I'm yeah, fine, Yes, thank I'm you. fine, how are you? Yeah. And it took me a while to figure that out. And I thought, what is the bloody point Don't of ask asking? Then. I know, exactly, don't ask. So there is this reserve that's different. And, you know, Americans, I, I call myself the ugly American because I'm just all out on the table. But it's so much easier and you know where you stand and you can ask for help. And that's a big thing, asking for support and being honest about how you're feeling. And I guess in the States as well, or I believe therapy is more common than over here. <laughs> Do you, have you had therapy? Do you rate therapy? Oh, Do you think it's something worth doing? No, I don't. And I haven't. My route is the personal development work. 
which is very different. I can't really compare it to therapy other than what I've heard friends and people I know talking about with therapy, which I just haven't seen the results that I think it should be creating in people's lives. Whereas personal development, I find there, there are tools in a toolkit that are really helpful. But I have to say as well, I have to caveat that with, it's the long-term meditators I look at who I think really are different. I think it's that trickle of spirituality on a daily basis that makes a difference because I know people who've been in personal development work for decades and they still are struggling it's an interesting one I think it's probably for me it's both I like both but it's personal development not therapy and talking about those long-term meditators what traits do you think they exhibit that make you think "Mm, I see yeah I see lack of judgment which is so massive I see calmness, peace, happiness. And it sounds so simple to say that, but I really see those qualities. And I think for me, lack of judgment is everything because that's where freedom comes. But when Maharishi used to talk about it, and I love this because it gives such a strong visual, he used to say the first time you meditate, and I remember this, it's like taking a white piece of cloth and dipping it in yellow dye. And you bring it out of the dye and it's bright yellow. And that's the meditation. And then you go out into the world for the day, which is taking the cloth and putting it in the sun, and the color fades. But every time you meditate, you're dipping the cloth in the yellow dye, and the color slowly becomes... Fades a little less. Yes, it becomes deeper, and it becomes fast, and it holds. And that's your experience, and when you go into the world, you're carrying more of the meditation with you, and it's cumulative. It's not, oh, that's 20 minutes, and then it's gone. And I see that in people around me, in my husband as well. (laughs) I mean, I've started meditating quite recently in the summer of last year, so I've probably been meditating for about six months. But the effects I felt were incredible. And I feel like it's a cult. Once you're in it, you're... you're <laughs> a cult thinking, in a good way. Yeah, in an amazing way. Yeah. Why isn't everyone doing yeah. this? Yes. And I think it's well-being, you know, you, you're talking about the mind, but and I started with Planet in well-being in terms of health, which I see as the foundation but there are so many areas of well-being that people would do well to focus on and incorporate into their lives because it makes for a very rich, very full life. And it primarily is stuff we don't learn at school. Like what? Like intellectual well-being. That's the first. I mean, we learn some of this at school, but for me, that's always learn. You know, yeah. never stop learning and growing. There's emotional well-being which is about for me the being honest and open telling the truth quickly being honest about your emotions and what you're feeling there is I'm not going to remember them there's <laughs> economical which is earn spend and save it's all three of them psychological which is doing the personal development work I believe uh, physical which is three things it's health which was my foundation but also exercise and sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're tired, go to bed. Sleep is so critically important, and we're hearing more about that now. There is also social, which is have fun. You know, have fun with family and friends. And then spiritual, which for me is meditation. For some people, it's yoga. There are lots of different kinds of meditation. And it's looking at all of those areas in your life. And this is what Beluga Bean is about. It's about, if you don't mind me pulling that back to Please being... Do. It's about developing these areas, these seven areas of well-being, so that you live as close to 100% life as possible. Because 
you have this one shot. And I know that's becoming really cliche and people say, yeah, yeah, we only live once. But I really want to be, you know, at the end of my life, I want to be looking back and think, wow, I really lived fully. I lived life hard and I had a great time. And I was fully me the whole time. Yes. And I was honest in me and open. And that's the only way. It's the best way. And no regrets. And a huge part of that, of the way that I think about you, um, has been embodied in Planet Organic, which is this amazing Mm. company that you've built. And it's around food and nutrition and wellness. And I believe cooking is a very kind of (laughs) big passion of yours. Do you think that those, um, those assets of life as well, so cooking, exercise, nutrition... Does that all contribute to a kind of well-rounded mind for you as well? Yes, and that is really the foundation for me. And that's why I started with Planet, because health... I, I remember it really hit me when my youngest daughter was old enough to go to school. We went to... I took her to school on the first day, and there were moms there, and there was this mom saying you know, education is the most important thing. It's really the foundation for everything. And I said to her, well, Please actually, can we do the rest of the interview in an English accent, Renee? It's great. <laughs> and I said, well, I beg to differ because you can be completely talented and incredibly intelligent, but if you don't have your health, what are you going to achieve in the world? If you're tired or unwell or not happy because you're not well you won't do anything with your life or you won't do everything with your life you won't fulfill your dreams so for me health was the foundation and the values that are instilled in planet are about creating that health through food really and cooking and baking healthy treats and eating a broad from a broad palate and being thoughtful about what you eat and the sustainable agriculture that forms the other part of that, which for me is a real motivator, the organic farming. So that was that's the foundation. And the other areas of well-being for me build on top of that. But that had to come first. And that comes first when you're thinking about children because from when they're in utero, they are you are affecting their foundation of health. And then you have this baby and you're breastfeeding, hopefully, if you can, and then you're weaning, and then it's this whole lifetime of nutrition as a foundation for well-being that enables you to do all the other great things. And, I mean, for someone who's so incredibly passionate about that area, do you find cooking is a meditative practice? For me, exercise is quite meditative. Mm. It clears my mind in a way that actually, you know, going for a run, I get a similar sense of clarity as I do from, you know, 10 minutes meditation. Mm. Do you feel the same with cooking? I do... I do sometimes. Sometimes there's a lot going on and it's it's cooking to get food on the table and yeah. the kids are hungry and I'm, you know, I'm rushing a little. But that's only sometimes. Most of the time, yes, it's almost a meditation for me. And it's funny because a girlfriend of mine gave me, I think when we got married, someone gave me a, Mag- a Magimix. It was a food processor, mm-hmm. one of the, you know, early versions. And I looked at it and thought, mm, no, it's the chopping that I yeah. love. It's the chopping, it's that rhythmic chopping and my mind's, I'm relaxing and I'm unraveling. If I'm, you know, if I've had a busy day, it's coming into that very calm state. And then it's being conscious about the cooking and putting love into the food and all that good stuff and into the pot. So I love that. And for me, it's baking. Healthy baking for me is such a joy. Giving my kids a treat that isn't creating illness or detracting from their well-being that's actually enhancing their you're properly nourishing them yes with sweet treats Mm. and that is an art that I've developed over the years and I love that when I think oh I'll bake something it's like carving out that time to say 
I'm not gonna just do this thing because it needs to be done. I'm gonna do this thing and I'm gonna really enjoy it. Exactly. So for me, it's going for a run. I also love cooking, but yeah, carving out that hour of time when you're gonna cook and you're gonna chop slowly, yes. take something apart, put something together, feed it to people yes. you love. I think it's very, yes. very calming. And I see that there was a day this week where I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going 100 miles an hour. And I got, I dropped the kids off at school and I came home and I thought, wow, I feel like I'm split in a million different directions. I had so much work to do. And what I decided to do instead, I walked the dog and then I made bread, I made pastry, and I baked courgette muffins for I my would kids really for like breakfast. to be around you when I know, you're stressed. <laughs> And then I thought, oh my God, that was so smart because it just grounded me and I felt really calm and centered. And then I had all this great food and I was like, okay, great. I'm really providing for my family. That's fantastic. <laughs> I might do a couple of emails now, but probably yeah. not. I'm so chilled. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. This is my last question actually, but who do you kind of look to in this space of the mind, wellness, clarity, whether it's an author or a podcast or a teacher, who do you really recommend that other people should seek out? Hmm. <laughs> other than you. <laughs> well, I'm not really a digital person. People always say to me, what podcast? And I'm like, mm, let's stay no, in the physical world. What I books? Would, <laughs> I would, well, I always recommend learning transcendental meditation. And there are teachers in London, in England, in other parts of the world who teach proper TM with a mantra and I just think it's great it's a brilliant technique great I can't takeaway. recommend it highly enough well I'm, I might take you up on that one thank you so much Renee that has been absolutely amazing to have you on the show and we're just really excited to chat thank you it's great to see you again thank you thank you for listening to Do Mind as we take a fresh and proactive look at mental well-being please subscribe to the podcast on your listening platform of choice. And for more information or to get in touch with us, please visit domind.co. We'd love to hear from you. 